Hey, Holmes, get down. Right on. Bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your way. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As we get ready for the holiday season or we're in the holiday season, we still continue to worry about our bodies and our health. And today I'm going to have a discussion with someone about what we put in our body. And you can find out what we're talking about by hanging out and listening to what's coming next here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant, and I'm driving my car safely and legally communicating on my phone. Minnesota law allows a driver to use their cell phone to make calls, text, listen to music or podcasts, and get directions by voice command or single-touch activation without holding your phone. Violations are very expensive. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes per year, and nearly 400,000 injuries are caused by texting and driving. Not surprising, since four seconds with your eyes off the road is like driving the length of a football field blindfolded. And research shows that just two seconds increases the risk of an accident up to 24 times. Texting may only take a second, but it can end your life or ruin it forever. Please. Drive safely and stay alive. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Play this record as frequently as possible. Then, as it becomes easier for you, play the record once a day or as needed. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I stated earlier, as we are in the midst of the holiday season, we all wonder about our health and what we put in our bodies. And today, I thought it would be smart to bring on a pharmacist to uh, maybe help us with some of the things we put in our bodies. He, as I stated, he's a pharmacist. He grew up in uh, North Carolina, even though he was born in New York, in the main streets of New York, and um, graduated from uh, UNC. And I'd like to welcome Dr. Keith Hershey. How are you doing this evening, doctor? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank, thank you for having me on. 
Not a problem. Well, I guess I will start the interview off by asking the, <laughs> the step, simple question. What got you into pharmacy, and why did you choose that profession, uh, being a pharmacist? Well, uh, I worked in the healthcare field uh, after I finished um, undergraduate school. I worked mainly as a medical technologist um, in the hospital setting, and um, I, I liked doing it, but um, but I, I wanted to do something that had more direct patient contact and working with patients. So, um, so I decided to uh, change careers um, after um, about uh, ten years working. Uh, so I decided to go into pharmacy school because I wanted to be in, I guess, a profession where working more um, hands-on with patients, and and I thought it would be just a, um, a good career to change to in, in healthcare. And how long does it so, Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, how, um, how, long, uh, how long does it take to become a pharmacist? Well, if usually... Um, and that's one of the things that's changed since I've been in pharmacy school. It used to be like um, uh, like you would do like a, a couple of years of undergraduate, and then um, then people would apply to pharmacy school like their junior year, and pharmacy school would be you know four years after that, and so it would be like six years. But um, now most people. Most, most students now already have a degree, an undergraduate degree, before they apply to pharmacy school. So if you already have an undergraduate degree, then it's just like uh, four years. I selfishly kind of asked that question because my daughter is graduating this weekend uh, in bioscience, uh, oh, okay. pre-med. Pre so... Uh, I don't know if she truly knows what direction she wants to head, but um, I know she thinks okay. that that medical school is in her future. So, um, okay, yeah. So, okay, you, yeah. You take uh, you own your own pharmacy. How did you go about uh, starting that? Okay. Well, yeah. So um, after. I Finished pharmacy school. I pretty much uh, spent my um, career in uh, community pharmacy. Um, I worked uh, about uh, four, about fourteen years in uh, in uh, retail, like uh, chain pharmacy, like uh, uh, variations like Eckerd's, Rite Aid, and uh, Walgreens, mm -hmm. and um, and then. Um, um, about uh, a little four years ago, um, Walgreens had uh, bought, like, I don't know, do you remember, bought a bunch of Rite Aid stores? Right. And, uh, and uh, my store was one of the stores that they bought. And so, and then they went and closed a lot of them if they were already Walgreens um, nearby. So, so mine had a Walgreens right across the street from it. So, so my store was closed, and uh, 
Um, so I had to find something else to do. And uh, me and my wife, we just thought about it and, and uh, prayed about it, and then we just decided to um, to start my um, own pharmacy um, to provide, I guess, uh, uh, more personal service than what people usually receive in the in the big stores. So, uh, in your literature, you use a term functional pharmacy. How is fun, uh, functional pharmacy different from what we probably, most of us know, the regular functional pharmacy? Okay. Yeah, well, it's a, uh, a functional pharmacy uh, is different than, uh, I guess, a traditional pharmacy because uh, traditional pharmacy and just like traditional medicine is geared more to um, treating um, um, conditions by treating or alleviating um, or, or moderating symptoms of the, the condition. Um, it's not bent so much toward curing the, um, curing the condition unless it's something, you know, acute, like if someone, you know, breaks a bone, you know, and of course they try to repair that or something like that. But, but when we talk about the chronic health condition, such as um, um, big one is like diabetes or um, um, or high blood pressure or high cholesterol. Um, the, 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 most of those, the, when you see a doctor, um, they usually are treat. Uh, you know, they'll treat the, the disease. Like uh, um, if you have diabetes, they'll give you. Uh, they'll go along the pathway and give you certain medicines. Well, we'll start you off with this. If it gets worse, we'll move up to this. If it gets worse, we'll add um, insulin. And then if it gets worse, we'll add another medication. And all along, nothing is, is bent towards resolving diabetes. It's, it's more to um, treat the conditions, you know, um, as it gets worse. And then a lot of times as it gets worse, then you um, end up, being on more medications, a lot of times, especially with diabetes, is more expensive medications. Um, a lot of the time, as well. So, and, and so, you're not really you're just treating, um, you know, just treating symptoms. But there's nothing that's getting to the root. Like, well, let's let's try to stop the diabetes. Let's try to um, alleviate the condition so they won't have to be on insulin or they have to be on three or four medications for diabetes and two or three medications for heart disease and a medication for cholesterol. Just try to resolve um, those conditions so that, you know, the person may not be on anything. They, they will be, you know, the um, diabetes will be uh, resolved and the hypertension will be resolved and the high cholesterol will be resolved and they won't have to be on any of the medications. So, well, functional pharmacy gets to you know, treating the roots of the condition rather than just treating symptoms. And before we get deeper into functional uh, uh, pharmacy, uh, in your thoughts on why medicine or doctors just try to treat the symptoms? Is it because it's the easiest thing to do? It's what they were taught? Or is there 
what are your thoughts on why that happens? Uh, it's kind of all of the above. Um, uh, one of the things that it, like it starts in the training, you know, when you're uh, when you're trained in medical school and even pharmacy school, they're like, uh, these are the conditions. What do you do to treat it? You know, what what you know what you know pathway you go to treating it. And it's and it's all about um, you know treating the symptoms. So you learn which um, you know which pathway of medications you go down. Like if they uh, if the labs come back this way, this is what you prescribe. Um, if the labs come back this way, this is what you prescribe. If it gets worse, then you prescribe this. Um, if it um, gets worse to next level, then you'll you know prescribe something else. And then. Um, so, so a big part in the beginning is the training. So, and then once the training goes goes in, and then um, from the medical doctor's perspective, um, you know they they you know they have uh, they have patients, and you know they have the regular you know patients, and a lot of medical practices now, especially like the big practices, um, the way that they make it and get it maybe as possible that they can see on a given day to be reimbursed by uh, insurance companies. So um, there's an incentive to get as many people possible and have them, you know, coming back every three months or every six months or every nine months, not not just to have them coming back as patients and continue to be reimbursed, not to, well, this tractor um, by six months maybe He'll be on two medications instead of five, and then maybe after uh, a year, he might not be on any medications. But it's not geared to that. It's just like, well, just control the symptoms enough so the person can, you know, hopefully they can live like a long time. Like if we can um, reduce, say, like um, someone that's diabetic, uh, maybe we can reduce like their A1C, not necessarily get it down to where they're not diabetic anymore, but just in a level where they'd be less likely to have a stroke or a heart attack. So it kind of sounds like that part part of um, functional, um, uh, your functional pharmacy uh, and traditional pharmacy is is people uh, who are basically uh, almost being uh, addicted to their <laughs> traditional pharmacy, I guess. I guess I would say for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's like unless people really look out, outside of that, I mean, people, you know, they trust their doctors, they trust their pharmacists, what they're telling them is going to help them. And it, it will help them, you know, like, maybe control this, but it, it doesn't help in the long run as far as, like, uh, uh, getting rid of the disease. It's, it's just, you just, you know, you're just treating and managing and controlling symptoms, to, you know, to, to make it, you know, life more, you know, bearable uh, with the symptoms, but it's not, it's not to, it's not really to, re- it's not really to resolve anything. Um and and the thing is is that and now we've had plenty of of years and studies um about how it's and and you know with um I'm sure 
talk about a little more later about how so much how um, a, a diet can help um, alleviate a lot of the symptoms uh, of a lot of the things that we have in modern uh, modern diseases that afflict uh, the majority of the the population in some form. Well, and as you see, uh, one of the other bad outcomes of, of continuously prescribing drugs is people getting hooked on, you know, painkillers mm-hmm. and opioids and things like that. So I would take, mm-hmm. without getting to uh, what you do, I would guess functional pharmacy would cut down on that also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like we like we care because a lot of times, um, not not all the time. Some people do have um, injuries which which cause pain, but a um, a good deal of, of of pain is due and just um, with almost all the conditions having common is um, inf- inflammation, and um, is a lot of times if you can reduce or eliminate inflammation, a lot of the a lot of the um things will resolve itself. Um a lot of the um uh, you know, a lot of the pain, um, especially um nerve pain, muscle pain, which are, uh, a lot of it is linked to um inflammation. Um diabetes is uh, uh a disease of inflammation. Inflammation um, causes um, uh, raise in blood pressure. Inflammation can cause um, uh, clogging of the arteries. Um, so, you know, it puts you at risk with um, high cholesterol and puts you at risk of heart attack and stroke. So, um, so as I said, a lot of times if um, it getting to the root of the, of the problem, um, and I said it's amazing how much of the Problems are linked to to inflammation, mm-hmm. and that um, you know usually resolve, trying to resolve that. Um, a lot of times, uh, it can resolve with uh, with with diet and using uh, you know um, eating uh, uh, foods that are anti-inflammatory in nature or help reduce inflammation. Um, like movement is a good thing to like. Um, uh, reduce inflammation as, as as well. Just keeping um, active. Not necessarily you have to run three miles or um, just even walking. Walking right. can do so much. Um, um, and, and and working at that um, um, low grade, even strength training. I've been talking about lifting big giant barbells, but just um, just weight bearing exercises. Can help so much. Well, uh, I'm going to be kind of honest and open with you. I'm a uh, African American male, age just turned 60 recently, and I've been uh, having hyper high blood pressure for about 20 years or so, and I've basically have it uh, under control now. Where you know. There is some medication, but a lot of it is through diet and exercise. Um, yeah. So, so can you kind of give 
me more information or my listeners more information on your functional or a functional, excuse me, functional uh, pharmacy? Uh, well, what, uh, what, uh, what I like to do is that uh, uh, working with patients is um, having the consult, just kind of going over, looking at the medications they're taking, uh, um, the health conditions that they have, um, the pain points that they have with um, the medications or just screening for, like, uh, uh, side effects. Um, some some people um, we can go further. Uh, one of the good things that's come up now is like uh, pharmacogenomic testing or PPX testing, which is basically like DNA testing uh, for medications. Um, I think that is very good, especially like with uh, um, pain medications, uh, mental health medications. Um, cardiovascular medications, um, even like uh, blood thinners, like which ones will work better, which ones to avoid. Um, you may be taking the medication that may be making your conditions worse or it may not be optimal. It may be another um, uh, a medication in a different class or a drug in the same class, but a different medication may fit your genetic profile better. So um, usually we would... Uh, you know, uh, use that and get all that information, and then we would just go about of, of you know, working with the patient and working on a, on a, on a plan as far as um, using uh, uh, nutrition, using trying to um, uh, increase uh, movement, also using like uh, where where uh, where the patient is where it fits the patient or may help the patient um, uh, nutritional supplements to help with their um, certain health conditions. Um, there's certain uh, supplements that will help, like, reduce blood sugar while they're on the path of, um, uh, of lowering their blood sugar with um, diet and movement. This can help as well while they're going through that process. So, um, so, so usually it's like a, a, a consult, and then usually we have a, 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 you know, a program where patients can sign up for a period of time and they will work with me, you know, pharmacists one-on-one uh, -on -one and meet um, how they want to, how often they want to, to meet, you know, you know, once a week or every couple of weeks or so and just keep track of their pro progress. And, um, and then um, also we want to involve their primary care physician because as they go through the as they go through the program and they start um, losing weight and their health improves, then uh, we need to work with the doctor as far as maybe uh, cutting back certain medications and and let let the doctor know through the whole time so it's continually being you know it's continually being monitored so that they're just not dropping off of medication and then and that doctors also um, they like that that they're involved too that someone is not just doing something that they don't have any idea what the patient is doing or keep abreast. And then also we try to make sure that we have our results and testing just to follow up so that we can show their provider, like, um, this is improving, this is this is improving. So we may can cut down the dosage of the uh, cholesterol medicine or we may can cut down uh, how many times a day that they take a uh, 
the diabetic medication, we can cut the insulin dose down. So, so you just mentioned. So we have, have a pretty, no, go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. So we have a uh, you know uh, a, uh, a thorough program um, where we just uh, where they work with the guidance of a pharmacist like myself, so that um, so it's kind of like a team like myself, the patient, and their provider that we're all working towards, um, you know, toward alleviating, alleviating the medical conditions and rather just treating symptoms. Um, and you were touching on this, and it made me wonder, do you get any pushback from uh, doctors? Um, you, 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 you do. You, um, um, you do the with some some doctors, especially some uh, more seasoned doctors, that um, don't really understand um, uh, what you're doing there because they're you know they're just in, been in the system so long that you know someone has this condition, they take this and and and, and that and, and you know that and that and that's it. You know they continue to take it. You know. And, you know, forever, you know, and then you just adjust um, based on whether that condition gets better or worse. Um, and um, and they don't, you know, necessarily um, believe that how much of a difference that um, um, that, um, that that diet can make, like having diet um, rich, rich and, um, and, and plants, especially plants that are, have anti-inflammatory effects, um, plants that uh, help restore um, uh, health, um, especially in the um, intestinal health, gut health. Um, those that the antioxidants, it just yeah, it's really amazing. Like um, when people uh, diet is um, primary, that just the, the changes that patients can have. Um, you know, in the in the guided setting, just in a few months. Um, so, so then on the other end of the spectrum, do you have doctors that refer their patients to you because of your work? Um, I I um I haven't had any yet that the that refer like that we we're basically in the process of uh, of, of trans. Referring um, more to this this model, so um, we don't have you know a lot of people that's aware. Most people patients have come on their own, um, uh, and their own just out of um, just trying to improve their health. So I, I haven't I haven't really had any um, doctors yet, but I'm hoping like with the results of patients and they go back to their doctors that maybe we'll start getting referrals from doctors. So as, as your program goes on, is it a program that um, you find more and more people entering? Is it the way of the future? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I, I do believe that it's, um, that it's the way of the future. I, I mean, I believe that um, um, medicine is, is going to get more as, as the technology continues that it's going to be more and more personalized that it's going to be um, if someone does have to have medication that is 
their genetic profiles from being mined and which medications that they use. Um, and then also just, um, just they like, because it's going to, um, there's more and more studies being done now about the effect of, uh, of, of diet on health conditions. And as more of that data comes out and becomes more um, available and that if it can um, get into the schools, the medical schools and the pharmacy schools and the health nursing schools and the healthcare profession where the students will learn it at the beginning of their um, education process, not something that they may discover, you know, on their own once they're out in the field and stuff, and that they will have a appreciation for it from the beginning that um, when they become providers and that they're um, writing prescriptions or they're making suggestions for prescriptions that they will look at this avenue and just um, giving someone a pill necessarily. Uh, so one of the hot topics out there is uh, the use of uh, medical marijuana or uh, products that contain CBD. And um, is that a part of your program? Um, yes, yes. Well, we do have um, um, right now that the, the CBD products that I work with um, that, that they um, have little or no um, THC in there. But um, but yeah, that, that's something that we do have um, we do have patients on. Um, it's a good um, alternative to um, definitely like opioids, but even like with um, helps with anxiety and also um, I, I think we've we've had probably the second most that we had is just to help with sleep and it's just a better alternative than uh, the uh, hypnotic medicines and the antihistamines that have all you know side effects and um, can you know some of the medications can interact with other medications that patient is taking so so we, we, we've got um, getting like a lot of good uh, uh, response from patients that's doing it. And like I said, and that's something that's growing and people are more interested in. And I think that uh, especially if you suffer from some of these conditions like light, sleep, anxiety, or pain, those are probably the biggest ones um, that CBD could be an effective alternative. Yeah, I I'm just wondering that because <laughs> I've um, I don't have a lot of pain, but I have some, and I've had, tried to have had discussions with my physician, and um, the conversation doesn't seem to go far <laughs> as far as getting getting a discussion going. So, um, so would somebody like in my case would they just Take it upon themselves just to come and re and reach out to someone like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, certainly, that's uh, most of most of my patients are you know just uh, self referrals and um, and I think that uh, you know usually what they recommend at first is kind of you know um, start slow and start low and then um, you can move you know move up. If you need to, some people don't. Some people just the, the initial low, lowest level is, 
is 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 fine for them. And some patients move up gradually. And I think if you're working um, with a pharmacist with that, then that that's good because they can kind of um, guide you as far as um, dosing, and so that um, um, you you know um, a lot of times. Most of our patients don't um, use the products that don't have the THC works, works well. I, I don't really have to go into that that much. And then even if you did the THC, it will, you know, you'll start at the lowest level. And a lot of times the lowest will work fine. Usually, um, I haven't really had too many people that have had to go up beyond the lowest level. Then most of the patients don't even um, use um, the products that have THC in it. But the few that do it is usually at the lowest level. Uh, could you help this novice understand what is THC? Oh well, THC is is a active ingredient in um, in in like um, marijuana is the ingredient that induces the the high. So most people, like most states, you're able to. Um, buy or most states, not all states, but most states you're able to buy um, products that don't have THC because it doesn't have the um, active ingredient that and, and um, that that causes the high. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's usually that's what most of that we deal with because usually you don't have any problems with people being able to purchase that in in, in most in most states. Um, the THC is going to vary in, in states. Some states you can, I mean, the states that where medical marijuana is legal, that, that is not a problem. But the states where it's not legal or they're still kind of, they have, um, they may allow like a certain percentage of THC and, and you know, that you can buy up to a certain thing. It, it, it really, it really depends on state by state. So, Usually, if you're dealing with uh, THC, then um, you probably want to work with someone that's aware of the the laws in in your state as far as um, what you're able to um, purchase. Yeah, to, just today, and I live in uh, Minnesota, near Minneapolis, and uh, just today, the state government cracked down on some. Um, distilleries that were selling gummies at a higher gummies and drinks at a higher percentage than was legally allowed so uh, it's, yeah. it's less than a year old here in Minnesota so I would, and somehow some way the bill was passed and the government <laughs> signed it and they didn't realize how how much of uh, THC they even was written in the yeah. uh, <laughs> written in the law yeah. so they're looking to change maybe change the law um, oh yeah so but no it's just uh, interesting that, that it would we're having this conversation on a day where the state of Minnesota is cracking down on they they took what was it over a million dollars worth of product off the shelves today so Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's one of the things when and you know when the states when they craft this legislation, they just need to make sure that 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 
aspect is covered before they um before they pass any legislation is clear, right? Um, you know what levels of um, THC will be you know legally allowed under what conditions. And... So, um, I take it you considered an independent pharmacy. Um. Yeah. 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 So um, that's that's why I was you know able because we're not under any um, uh, chain or group. So that's why we can um, um, implement programs that we we can because you know we're not under anybody. So that gives us a lot of flexibility. But I take it there you are governed and regulated by by some. Part of the state government, correct? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So we we still have to follow up in the regulations of the um, uh, state board of pharmacy. So. Did you find Did you find it uh, harder or easier to become an independent um, pharmacist? Um, well, this this aspect of it is easier, and then this aspect of it is harder. I, I guess like the 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 easier is that like I said like because you are your own pharmacy that you can you know implement or make changes you don't have to go through anybody to do it but then also you don't have um, you know you 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 are on your own and you are you know you don't have the benefit of uh, having the the guidance and you don't always have the benefit of um, being able to buy or bargain like as a large group, you know, that you would in a, a, a like a corporate pharmacy. Right. So uh, are there any other challenges for independent pharmacists? And are there any benefits or what do you like most about being independent? Uh, well, there are, there are challenges. Um, there are challenges with uh, um, Independent pharmacists. Uh, uh, the biggest challenge is just that uh, uh, you know competing against the the big chains. That um, um, people believe that uh, you may get like a uh, a better price at the big chain, and big chain has you know all the um, the advertising. They can um, especially uh, products that are on the floor, like the front end, they can, you know, offer more products and they can, sometimes they can um, offer stuff at a lower price because, you know, the bargaining power, the buying power that they have um, and just that, um, you know, you're going against, um, you know, uh, people are familiar, people know, you know, the big box stores and they're aware with the advertising and everything like that. So a lot of times to give people to give you a chance because they'll feel like, they may get like um, not as good pricing, and a lot of times that's not the case. Um, or the availability to get things. So, um, especially with prescription products, you pretty much can get the same thing that most of the big box people can get. Um, but the value that we add is that you get more of the uh, the personal service that um, you don't have the. Uh, you know, changing and turnover in staff, you know, usually the same, you know, the same pharmacists, the same technicians usually want to 
uh, be there. It's not going to be like where you come in one day, it's this pharmacist, you come in the next day, it's another pharmacist, and going the day after it's a whole new staff. So you, you have that consistency and you have the, the pharmacist that knows you and knows like your family and they can, um, you know, they can, they can serve you, you know, more on the, uh, you know, on the personal level, they can know more about the medications that you're, you're that you're taking. And if anything is amiss, um, maybe, you know, more likely to notice that because they have more of a personal relationship with you than, uh, than if you're in the big box chain. Well, that sounds, uh, I know some, some places you go to, they uh, lose track of your prescriptions. They, uh, yeah. they send out a message saying your stuff is ready and you get there and uh, they basically look at you to tell you that they never even sent out a message or <laughs> whatnot. These are nightmares I've had at <laughs> box forms. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, and then, uh, and then you know, some of it is some of it is not really there because a lot of times um, the corporates try to do more with less. So a lot of times the pharmacies then don't have um, not staff properly, even though they want them to do all these prescriptions in a certain amount of time and. Um, uh, their salary or whether they keep their job is based on how many prescriptions they crank on in an hour. So, you know, they don't have, like, a lot of times they, they don't have a lot of the best working conditions. You know? uh, so with the independence that you have, do you tend to see uh, more and more people who want to come work for you? Um, well, I, 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 I don't, don't know, but I, I haven't really, I don't know that much of a difference as far as like people want to work then when I worked in it, in, in the train. Um, uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know if, 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 if it's translated yet, uh, um, Better like um, or perceive better working conditions. I, I don't. I don't know if that really um, translated that much. There. I mean, in my in, in my thing, maybe uh, more of independence that's been around longer. That may be more the case. But um, but I, I don't know. Like I've, I've seen that much with mine so far. Again, we're talking to Dr. Keith Hershey, pharmacist. And what is the name of your pharmacy, if you if you don't mind me asking? Uh, oh, it's it's uh it's a uh, it's a unique name. It's um, Hershey Pharmacy. Okay. Well, that's yeah. So most of the time when you see Hershey, you see chocolate. So. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> um, now there's a uh, there's yeah yeah it's, there's a, a pharmacy in Hershey, Pennsylvania. There's Hershey Pharmacy. In, we get calls every now and then, um, people asking about uh, calling in it's in Pennsylvania, and they're, they're calling, like, uh, thinking they're reaching them. So, I mean, we still have that sometimes. Right. So you have a, uh, a topic called uh, 
de-prescribing uh, me medications, uh, what would you say that is? Um, well, uh, that's kind of what we talked about earlier. Like if um, sometimes if we look at uh, like the patients, like the medication profile, the medications they're taking, sometimes you may see medications that may be uh, duplicative, like they're in the same class and do the same thing. And sometimes people may change, like they may change doctors and doctor may put them on another medication in the, in the, um, in the same class, not aware that they were taking another medication in the class. And then they could still continue to get their prescription refilled from a previous doctor. So they may have, you know, they may have two blood pressure medications that are in the same class that function the same way. And, and so sometimes you can like, um, you don't, you know, once you make the doctors aware of that, then you may can drop one of them or something like that, or you may have uh, um, medications that may um, contraindicate or they may lessen the effectiveness of the other medications. So you can, uh, you know, uh, inform the doctor of that as well, and then they may decrease or eliminate one of the medications or adjust the dosing, or they may have to increase the dose if they feel like they need both medications. But since one lessens the effect, they may need to take a higher dose to get the same effect. Um, and then also, like I said, like if people are uh, making, you know, making the lifestyle changes uh, to um, movement and diet, and like I said, is that um, um, say like their diabetes, their blood sugars are more in control, and they may start getting um, low blood sugars more often because of the changes. And so we would need to work with their doctor to um, decrease their medications. And some people, they may, you know, may eliminate the medications altogether because they uh, are bringing their blood sugars down too low. Well, I had to chuckle earlier when you mentioned people running three miles to um, help with their... Um, help with their health numbers because um, I, I run three miles two to three times a week and that's been part of my okay. <laughs> part of my regiment to, to oh, uh, help. That's great. Yeah. Now I did go to a, through a stint where all of a sudden my uh, it got hard to run and painful and um, it wasn't I wasn't enjoying the run, and um, yeah. and found out I had a sciatic joint issue, and they sent my doctor sent me to uh, physical rehab, and now I'm back running like I almost like I was before, and feel better, and I the enjoyment's back. So, um, but I do think that uh, movement does play a part you know i walk about um at work i walk anywhere from eight to ten thousand steps a day and um oh yeah yeah and just keep moving and uh i i believe it it keeps me somewhat loose and keeps the pain down i can definitely tell when i've been sitting around too long or too much oh, or yeah. not oh, yeah. not yeah. doing anything because um <laughs> 
I just don't feel good at that point. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, how do you see your profession, the profession of uh, pharmacist, in 10 years? Um, well, uh, uh, as I was telling you earlier, I think that uh, I, I think that uh, a lot of good things are on the horizon. I think as um, as I think one of the biggest things that we're going to see in the next ten years is just a shift, a bigger shift toward wellness, a bigger shift toward um, resolving um, health conditions and rather treating um, symptoms. Because, like I said, that there's more and more studies and more and more data is going to come out, and then also just with just the better outcomes that um, hopefully that um, the um, health insurance companies will get more on board and, and paying for, like, say, uh, pharmacogenomic testing so the patient avoid patient taking medications in the first place that may not be good for them. So it's better to pay for a test up front than have someone trial and error with medications that may be harmful or may not work for them and um, waste six months or a year on a say an antidepressant that's not compatible to their genetic profile. Um, and I think that um, uh, that uh, I think the biggest thing that can happen if if pharmacists are seen as providers by insurers, that's one of the big things. I know they're working on nationwide that um, um, that the pharmacists can do more of a role, you know, like say, like uh, with like uh, consults and counseling with patients that can work toward um, uh, better outcomes and then they'll be reimbursed for their, for their work. So right. that would be more of an incentive for um, pharmacists to pursue um, this line of the profession to shift toward um, resolving disease rather than just um, treating symptoms. And so I, I, I think that, and then also with, uh, um, I know that there's a burgeoning retirement of doctors in the next 10 to 15 years. And, yes. But there's going to be more people living and more people that's going to need health care. So hopefully that giving the pharmacist a bigger role to help deal with that, that um, in the in the future will, you know, help the profession. So um, I, I, I see that moving along that. I, I see that, um, that, you know, hopefully, you know, within 10, 15 years, that most of the work that a pharmacist does will be working with patients, doing consulting, doing lab testing, doing... Um, uh, to help patients rather than um, the mechanical of, of filling prescriptions and um, putting, you know, putting stuff in the, uh, in the bottle, in the bag and stuff like that, which stuff like that, you know, is, is moving toward automation anyway. But, but that, that uh, the pharmacist, uh, you know, will be primarily in, in front of the counter rather than behind the counter. So um, that's what I'm hopeful for for the profession. Well, it kind of sounds like there is some pushback, maybe, or reluctancy from uh, insurance companies to jump on board to um, um, to make uh, payments available to you guys. Um, 
Do you yeah. have any thoughts yeah. on why? Is it because of big pharma? Is it because uh, the medical lobby? Uh, what? What? It was. It, yeah. Well. Well, it's it, it, it's all those things again. So, um, I mean, there's some people, unfortunately, in the medical lobby that sees that as, you know, that doesn't look at it as like being a, a partnership that they see that as infringing on their area where. Uh, where it's going to become necessarily because, uh, like I said, because of the um, the increase in the um, population that's going to be living, that's going to be 65 and older, you know, it's going to just continue to grow, and the amount of providers are going to decrease because of the um, because of the retirements and stuff that's on, you know that's upcoming, and um, and then also like the uh, the insurance companies again, you know, they don't want to. They they want to keep all the profits to themselves. They don't want to pay, even though realize that if you if you pay and have people do this, that people will be healthier, so that you will actually probably make more profit because you're not having to spend so much on disease. That you it's a lot less. It costs a lot less to um, keep someone healthy and prevent them from getting a disease than once they have the disease and treating them. Do you uh, do you feel that uh, doc- in the future's doctors may uh, be fearing this uh, switch or this change? Because I remember when I was young, it was kind of looked down to be a chiropractor, and now I actually get referred to my chiropractor by my doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think that it's, it's, it's growing. I think that um, now one of the <clears throat> One of the good things in um, in training that you have a lot of um, different health professions that are being trained together, like medical students and pharmacy students and physical therapy students, and doing um, rounds together so that they're more accustomed to having a, a, a pharmacist as part of the team. So it's not such a, a, a shock when they, you know, because they've been doing it since they were in school. So to have a pharmacist on part of the team, you know, they won't see it as a threat. They will probably see it more as a, a necessity. So um, I'm hopeful on that end as well. Well, I, I want to thank you for your time today, Dr. Hershey. It's been very informative. Um, you've given me a lot to think about. I'm, I'm ho- you know, like I said, I'm 60, so I'm hoping some of these changes happen <laughs> pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, first of all, is there anything else that I didn't cover that you'd like to touch? Um, no, I, I just want to thank you for, you know, um, allowing me to, um, um, to be on your show and, you know, be able to talk. And I think you, you know, gave a lot of um good thoughtful questions and I, I hope that it helps uh, your listeners out there and provide some help for them well I appreciate the, those kind words um, also if somebody wanted to reach out to you how could they do so uh, well probably the best way right now is um, actually in the, the, the midst of a uh, website change so I, right now I don't want to get that out because uh, it, it may change in the next few months but 
Probably the best way is that uh, you can reach out is um, Hersey, A-T-R-S-E-Y, pharmacy at gmail.com. That's the email address. Um, we also have our, our phone number is um, 919-346-4008. And so those are probably like the best ways to reach us right now. And that was Hershey at Gmail? Uh, yeah, Hershey Pharmacy at gmail.com. Oh, okay. All right. Well, again, like I said, I want to thank you for coming on, enlightening us. Um, this is all good information, and uh, hopefully you are a trendsetter for the way that medicine will and health and wellness will go in the Okay. I'm sorry, I certainly hope so as well. Thank you, and uh, have a good evening. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant, and I'm driving my car safely and legally communicating on my phone. Minnesota law allows a driver to use their cell phone to make calls, text, listen to music or podcasts, and get directions by voice command or single-touch activation without holding your phone. Violations are very expensive. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes per year, and nearly 400,000 injuries are caused by texting and driving. Not surprising, since four seconds with your eyes off the road is like driving the length of a football field blindfolded. And research shows that just two seconds increases the risk of an accident up to 24 times. Texting may only take a second, but it can end your life or ruin it forever. Please. Drive safely and stay alive. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Again, I want to thank Dr. Keith Hershey. His phone number, if you'd like to reach out, is 1-919-346-4008. Again, that's Dr. Keith Hershey. He's a functional medicine pharmacist. Gave me and hopefully gave you a lot to think of about the way that you're handling your health. Maybe, maybe totally changing your health, but maybe changing some things in your health. It's the holiday season. Don't forget to uh, reach out to loved ones. Don't forget to um, be good to yourself. And lastly, don't forget to listen to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. I am Negro, Black, African American, Black, 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 Django. 
Jay. B. Damn. Dolomite. Great card in heaven, you know. Jay. B. Our great Negro sex machine.